Welcome to the Shambhala Sunday Gatherings podcast. Each week, we invite a guest presenter from the Shambhala community to talk about what is meaningful to them or to share a brief Dharma talk. These explorations range from the reality of impermanence, death, and the unknown to how we express and work with joy, contentment, and fearlessness in our daily lives. Presenters offer a guided meditation or contemplation practice and invite reflections, comments, and questions from participants about the poignancy and complexity of our shared journey on planet Earth. Thank you for joining us for this week's Shambhala Sunday Gathering podcast. warm welcome to Shambhala Sunday Gatherings. My name is Tara Templin. I'm a member of the Shambhala Global Services team and the Sunday Gathering team. Uh, It's my pleasure to be your host for this week's gathering. Each week, hi, each week we invite a guest presenter to lead us in a community practice and to talk about something that is meaningful to them or present a brief Dharma teaching. There will be a time for question and answer Um, And so you can be thinking of this as you listen. So we do have people that tune in to our Sunday gathering from all over the world. So we do our best to speak slowly and clearly. And we would ask that you would do the same during uh, the discussion. So at this time, it's my great pleasure to introduce Sarah, Deborah, and Angela to speak about the climate cafes. Sarah Dimitri began practicing with the Shambhala community in 1998. She moved to Vermont to live and work at Karma Choling in 2004 and now works as a psychotherapist in private practice. She lives with her husband and cats, is an avid gardener, amateur herbalist, and has a deep interest in witnessing ecological grief and nurturing awareness and connection with the earth. Welcome, Sarah. Deborah Luscombe, in addition to decades of ritual textile production for the Shambhala community, Brocades is the name of that uh, initiative, has a passion for bringing people together around difficult but necessary conversations. To that end, she founded Death Matters, which hosts the Death Cafe, Final Curtain Films, exit planning workshops, and more. She is trained as a death doula and funeral guide, assisting during the transition and post-mortem experience, and is the founding chair of Green Burial Nova Scotia. Deborah also sits on the steering committee of Shambhala Touching the Earth Collective and is curator and host of the Earth Salon. She grows much of her own food and medicine and has been an environmental activist for more than 50 years. She brings extensive training in meditation, contemplation, and deep listening, and a fine sense of humor to this conversation. I can attest to that. Uh, Angela Pressburger is a retired film programmer who loves to garden. For the past 10 years, she has been a strong supporter of FarmWorks, a Nova Scotia community loan organization that helps small farmers and associated businesses across the province. 
and she once tried to create a Shambhala Agricultural Foundation in Kalapa. Angela has completed training as a life coach and practiced for several years in British Columbia. Thank you so much, Deborah, Sarah, and Angela for being here today and leading us in this conversation, uh, the Climate Cafe conversation. Thank you, Tara. Welcome to all of you. It's so nice to see you all. On behalf of myself and Sarah and Angela, obviously we are facilitating today. And um, let's bow, let's bow in. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, a little history of Climate Cafe that has just recently been uh, added to this presentation. So I'm going to have to read. I apologize. I will read a lot of it. But hopefully it's of interest to you. All around the world, people are coming together to talk about the climate crisis over hot drinks and baked goods. It's part of a drive to boost resilience in the face of adversity. It's hard to talk about climate change, but we need to talk about what our changing climate means for us. While the exact origins of climate cafes are murky, leaders say they are loosely based on death cafes, which started in the UK as a space for people to talk about mortality over tea and pastries. In 2015, a woman in Scotland, Jess Pepper, started what may have been the first climate cafe. She said the idea came to her after she gave a local presentation on climate change. Attendees came up to her in the street afterwards asking what they could do. It just dawned on me that people needed to be speaking with each other and not just in a one-off kind of session, she said. Pepper says the climate cafes she has helped start around the UK are meant to be less formal than activist groups and ideally more welcoming to people not already committed to climate advocacy. Many are billed as action-free spaces there are no guest speakers and no talks. It is an advice-free zone with no pressure to take action, join a group, or change your mind on anything. This is much like the Death Cafe, actually. The idea has since caught on in the US, Canada, and Europe, and Extinction Rebellion has taken up the banner for the younger generation. In 2018, the Climate Psychology Alliance in the UK launched a series in Oxford where people could come together to discuss the climate crisis over tea and cake. More people were talking about climate anxiety and the movement spread to the Climate Psychology Alliance in North America. Though there are spaces for activists to engage and empower one another to tackle the climate crisis, Few spaces address the adverse effects of the climate crisis on our psyches. Climate Cafe offers a safe and supportive space for communities to come together to chat about the climate crisis. 
Typically, there might be one person who's an activist in the group, and the others are often in that state of, I am the only one in my family who is worried about this at all, she said. And so this is a massively important space for them. Organizers say showing people they are not alone in their fears is also key to instigating climate action. If you've ever tried bringing up the climate crisis at a dinner party or family event, unless you're extremely lucky, it may not have gone well at all. Guests quickly turn the conversation to other topics. In a climate cafe setting, talking about the climate crisis is not only encouraged, but is the main event. As the effects of climate change become harder to ignore, and climate anxiety continues to rise, more and more such events are cropping up around the world for youth activists and retirees alike to process their climate angst. Climate change is happening. It exists already, and much of what we know is scientifically well-researched. So more and more, we need spaces where people can acknowledge this and discover ways to manage their feelings about it. Many say they are astonished by how good they feel at the end of their first climate cafe. Sharing our feelings on this topic may make us cry, but it feels good to share with others. There's a sense of relief. Dr. Sarah Jaquette Ray, program leader of the Environmental Studies Department at California's Humboldt State University, and author of a book on climate anxiety, said making people feel less indiv individualistic was key to combating inertia and despair around the climate emergency. A sense of the collective is probably the most important thing that will alleviate climate anxiety, but also mitigate climate change, she said. The concept of climate anxiety has faced accusations of being a white phenomenon. But of course, people in certain parts of the world have been feeling the effects of climate change for decades. They have just been largely ignored by the wealthier nations. The hosts of a new climate cafe in Boston, for example, say they are holding meetups in more diverse parts of the city which, not incidentally, are also more vulnerable to climate change. And some cafes have been joined from places at the front lines of the climate crisis, such as the Middle East and coastal Mexico, so that everyone comes and learns from each other. Concerns about raising children, or whether to have children, in a world that is heating up are a common topic of discussion. There are also youth climate cafes cropping up specifically to help a generation whose mental health, experts say, is especially imperiled by the climate crisis. In the last decade, the term climate anxiety or echo anxiety has emerged within psychological disciplines to describe the negative effects of climate change on mental well-being. A recent a recent worldwide study found that as many as 84% of the surveyed people aged 16 to 25 expressed worry about the environment, and 50% reported sadness, 
anxiety, powerlessness, and anger over current and future threats to our planet. Excuse me. I have grandchildren. <laughs> Climate cafes are an initiative to relieve these feelings by sharing concerns in a supportive environment, which in turn can also help to alleviate feelings of isolation or helplessness. Climate change is a universal issue, whether its effects are direct or indirect. Climate change is something that affects everyone and all, all sentient beings, not just we human folk. And regardless of your age or your political activity is something we are all being confronted with. For a lot of people, it's, it's exactly these overwhelming emotional issues that prevent people from engaging with climate change. People are coming from totally different places, totally different knowledge bases, totally different news sources, totally different ideas and ideological backgrounds. Climate Cafe provides a refreshing and educational place to experience this variety of perspectives and to begin to appreciate that this is the collectivity we have to work with. Thank you for putting up with that reading. And I will hand the baton to my dear colleague, Angela. Thank you, Deborah. Um, and welcome to Friends Old and New that I see here. I'm from all over the place too, or at least Europe and Canada and the US, that's not bad. Um, so now we're gonna to try to move from a sort of intellectual description of telling you what a climate cafe is and a little bit of its history to an actual experience such as you'd find at one of our climate cafes. Don't expect any sort of closure from whatever said. This is really just an opportunity to speak your heart, to listen deeply and um, speak from your personal experience. Go as deep as you can comfortably and don't think about what should be happening, but just share where you are right now. Um, as Shambhalians, we all know about now, so we'll try to do that. Um, and remember that Climate Cafe is not a place to have political discourse, advocate for others to make changes in their lifestyle, advocate actions, or push your agenda onto others. So just stick to speaking from personal experience. So to help you, however, to begin from a space of non-ego, Sarah is going to offer a wonderful breathing through the heart exercise. And after that, I'll read the question and Deborah will post it in the chat. Um, I just don't want to go into lots of details of what we're doing once we've done the meditation. I think it would be best if we could just go straight in. So I'll read the question twice. So um, thank you and over to Sarah. Hi everyone. Um, so yeah, and the, the question that Angela's referring to is sort of a, a place to start with 
each for each of you to share something about what you're feeling. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to first just invite you to take just a moment to think of something that you're feeling grateful for right now. Um, and even just, just take the next 30 seconds or so to come up to just scan for that. What are you grateful for? Let yourself really feel it for just a moment. This is important because it's hard to turn towards some of the things that are happening and feel them without the basis of gratitude. So now we're going to do a, a, a practice that's a practice that you can take with you after this and do any time. Um, it's from Joanna Macy's work, um, the work that reconnects, and it's in this book um, here, Coming Back to Life, and it's called Breathing Through. Um, it's a little bit like Tom Len in some ways, so it will feel familiar, but it also has some differences that I think are really helpful to get us into our feeling sense. So basic to most spiritual traditions is the recognition that we're not separate, isolated entities, but in integral and organic parts of the vast web of life. We can open to the pain of the world, um, as in what's happening with the climate, and in confidence that it can neither shatter nor isolate us, for we're not objects that can break. We are resilient patterns within a vaster web of not knowing. Because we've been conditioned to view ourselves as separate, we need to relearn this kind of resilience. One way is to practice simple openness and this exercise of breathing can help us with that. So if you're comfortable closing your eyes, begin to focus attention on your breathing. Don't try to breathe in any special way, slow or long. Just watch the breathing as it happens. In and out. And note the accompanying sensations at the nostrils or upper lip, in the chest or the abdomen. Stay passive and alert like a cat by a mouse hole. And as you watch the breath, note that it happens by itself without your will, without your deciding, each time to inhale or exhale. It's as though you're being breathed, being breathed by life, 
just as everyone on this Zoom, in the city that you're in, in the planet that you're on, is being breathed by life, sustained in a vast, living, breathing web. And now visualize your breath as a stream or a ribbon of air. See it flow up through your nose, down through your windpipe, and into your lungs. And now from your lungs, take it through your heart. Picture it flowing through your heart and out to reconnect with the larger web of life. Let the breath stream as it passes through you and through your heart. Appear as one loop within that vast web, connecting you with it. Now open your awareness to the suffering that's present in the world. Drop for now all defenses and open to your knowledge of that suffering. Let it come as concretely as you can. Images of your fellow beings in pain and need, in fear and isolation, in prisons, hospitals, tenements, refugee camps. No need to strain for these images. They are present to you by virtue of our interbeing. Relax and just let them surface the vast and countless hardships of our fellow humans and of our animal brothers and sisters as well as they swim the seas and fly the air of this planet. And now breathe in the pain like granules on the stream of air, up through your nose, down through your trachea, lungs and heart, and out again into the world net. You are asked to do nothing for now, but let it pass through your heart. Be sure that stream flows through and out again. Don't hang on to the pain. Surrender it for now to the healing resources of life's vast web. With Shantideva, the Buddha saint, Buddhist saint, we can say, let all sorrows ripen in me. We help them ripen by passing them through our hearts, making good, rich compost out of all that grief so we can learn from it, enhancing our larger collective knowing. 
If no images or feelings arise and there is only blankness, gray and numb, breathe that through also. That numbness is a very real part of our world. And if what surfaces is not the pain of other beings so much as your own personal suffering, breathe that through too. Your own anguish is an integral part of the grief of our world and arises with it. Should you feel an ache in the chest, a pressure in the rib cage, as if the heart would break, that is all right. Your heart is not an object that can break. But if it were, they say the heart that breaks open can hold the whole universe. Your heart is that large. Trust it. Keep breathing. Taking just another minute to work with this breath. Okay, so take a moment to bring yourself gently back from this exercise to our virtual community here for the moment. And we're going to prepare to respond to a question and uh, take some moments, each of you, each of us, to share um, in response to the question. And um, I can start that. Or Angela, did you want to start? Angela, you're, you're muted. Wait. Maybe I'll end if you want to start. Okay. 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 Um, but we were going to put the question in the chat, but the question, as I understand it, and my colleagues will tell me if I have it right, is as a Shambhalian or Buddhist, what are you feeling right now about the climate crisis? And so even though I knew the question ahead of time, I really haven't thought about it. So this is, um, I think, I think, and I feel, I, what I'm feeling um, right now is that I want to be able to bring warriorship um, to this whole issue and work with fear because what I feel is a lot of fear. Um, I'm pretty plugged into a lot of um, media that talks about how dire things are. 
and then every day every almost every single day there are there's things in our media about heat waves fires um flooding and uh I feel fear. I feel a lot of fear uh, because I I have a sense that, or what I believe is that things will change in my lifetime in such a way that I don't know if what if what we have will be recognizable to us anymore. And I think we're being asked to adapt. Um, maybe more quickly than our systems know how to. So I feel most of what I feel is fear. Um, and the and I also, it because of the fear and because of the grief that I feel, I also feel this tremendous appreciation for what is still here. Like I just went for a walk in the woods that was just a magical walk. And I, I do that around once a week. I just, um, so, um, I'm also aware of numbness at times. And I'm also aware of, uh, like, I feel like, I feel like, um, I should feel more. I, I should be angry. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm not. I just feel like I can't feel anything. So it changes all the time. And where it intersects with my practice, I guess, is I actually really if we well, I, I struggle with that because if practicing is really about now, being in the now, um, and we're not seeing in the now, like I, I, I don't, when I look around me in Vermont, which is kind of idyllic right now, I don't really see what's happening in Europe in the heat wave. It's not right in front of me. And so it's like, uh, how do we, I guess I, 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 feel like I need to contemplate how do I practice warriorship um, and maybe it just starts with opening my heart and just acknowledging in the moment like whatever it is that I'm feeling about it so I'm rambling and I'm going to stop and um, just give someone else a chance here so please um, raise your hand if there's something that you could share I'd like to hear from all of you Catherine? Yeah, good evening, everyone. So I'm uh, speaking from France, and also it's um, quite idyllic. So I've been in Vermont, and I guess it's pretty much <laughs> the same uh, landscape. Also, it's very hot. We have a mild heat wave. I mean, I guess in some years from now, it's going to look like mild, but already it's quite... Um, unusual and uh, I, I take the 
I follow you because I could say exactly what you said. I mean, uh, to me, it feels like warriorship right now is really uh, facing what's going towards us. I mean, really, it's coming to us. It's not like it's going to wait. <laughs> and um, I do feel frustrated, actually, that uh, it's not a common realization <laughs> that all my fellow warriors don't seem to realize that. And they're all very involved in all kinds of uh, questions, as you know, that uh, seem to me uh, quite irrelevant in the world today. So I can feel a lot of fear. I mean, talking about the Shambhala community, <laughs> there is a lot of fear to let go of a certain um, frame of mind or a certain certainty of what it is to be warriors. Because otherwise, uh, we have to accept to go into unknown. And uh, I guess probably some of you have followed um, uh, the talk of Joanna Macy not so long ago. She was uh, on a talk. I mean, it was amazing to me to see her 93 years old and see uh, the stamina and uh, amazing uh, determination. I mean, and she mentioned um, something called the seven slogans. Some of you were there, because I don't remember all the slogans, but I could uh, follow, follow it to you. And the first one, it's written by doctors or people in the medical field who've been in uh, catastrophes and um, time, you know, where you're really facing uh, death coming and you have to make decisions just right there. And so they try to prepare people. What do we have to prepare? How do we prepare our minds? And the first slogan, I guess I work just with the first one because the other ones go up in intensity. And the first one says, work hard to grasp the immensity of the catastrophe. And... Um, And then I think the next one is um, abandon any hope, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and uh, it's it's extremely uh, strong. I mean, I cannot imagine stronger in all the slogans we have. Actually, uh, you know, all the slogans we have in our warrior book uh, are sort of uh, light <laughs> compared to that. So that's what I can share. I mean, I'm wondering, that's why I'm here tonight to see, uh, for me too, the Formula Cafe. Um, I, of course, it has a completely different meaning in French. Cafe is a place where we talk about meaningless stuff. So <laughs> and actually, there are less and less. I mean, those public spaces where everybody could go to talk are less and less because people don't go out anymore um, just to talk together. So uh, I think it's important uh, to address this issue in a very uh, direct way.
in Shambhala. I hope to say, I dare to say that. <laughs> and I don't know how. So, you know, how, when it's going to be clear that uh, it is the main um, horizon of um, being a warrior. I think that, that's our world. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. So just raise your hand when you're ready, ready to share. Russell? Yeah. Um, I had a difficult, difficult time with the first part of this question, just because I'm, I guess I'm relatively new to Shanghala, um, not as new to Buddhism. I started practicing in, in the tradition a couple of years ago, two or three years ago now. Um, I feel first. I, I feel scared. Um, I definitely fear, but I I use the word scared because it's there's an element of helplessness to the feeling of just I oh an overwhelm. I just I I don't know what to do, and then I feel blocked because I'm thinking of everything to do and I don't know how to do any of it well enough and then I feel frustrated and then I try to go back to non-attachment and meditation practice and and like kind of a big part of that for me like one thing I think it was Chungam Trungpa whose name I'm sure I'm butchering right now um but like one one thing that like I go back to is like the, the this analogy of like one's body as containing separate parts of the world so like um legs sort of waist below rivers and 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 under underground and sea level um and then like heart and and chest uh sort of forests and and animals uh and you know, that kind of, I live in the Pacific Northwest in the U.S., so kind of that, that imagery, but then also, I guess this is all the Pacific Northwest, like the clouds, thinking of like mountaintops, snow caps, atmosphere. Um, and then I, then I just feel grief because <laughs> I just, I, I get into like apocalyptic imagery, um, climate anxiety. Um, and, I and 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 anger, because um, I, I I don't know I don't I don't know what the answer is and and I don't think anyone does um, and I mean like I I think I I think compassion and self compassion and and spirituality have to be part of the answer but everybody's answers just seem too narrow for what the problem is, which leads me back to frustration. Um, and like, I, I yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of hopelessness. Um, 
and and just like just so just overwhelmed at how many pitfalls there are like i j- just now spotted one like oh c- comparative suffering like because i'm uh upper middle like i the the thing about the um climate anxiety being a white phenomenon and like no it's not like that that piece in the intro uh jumped out at me because like no it's it's not that it's a white thing it, other lots lots of other people have been experiencing that for it's just that <laughs> because now white people are experiencing it it's it's been named more often and more people are hearing that term is is what i think it is so i don't know i i'm like I'm trying to do like my little piece, but it's, it's not, it's not for anything. Like it's not, it's not for the climate. It's not for the world. I'm like, I kind of have a hard time doing it at a place of, out of a place of compassion for anyone else. I'm just kind of doing it for myself and hopefully it, it looks good to other people or like it, it feels good to other people or has a positive impact, but I don't know at this point, I'm just, I, I try to show up in a way that is compassionate, but I'm not, not really doing it for other people. I'm just doing it for myself because I want to feel less blocked and less scared and less angry and less overwhelmed and less hopeless about this whole, this, this topic. Thank you. Thank you, Russell. So I know we're we're getting. Um, I know we have. Yes, Jenny. Go ahead. I don't want to say a great deal, but um, all of these emotions that we feel are really normal, really, really natural. And one of the things that Trimbrimich I said was that things are going to get worse. And that's, that is something that I keep saying to myself, things are going to get worse. We're not, at, we think it might be look pretty bad now, but it could look a lot worse and probably will. And therefore, um, it, was it Joanna Macy's recommendation to try to understand the immensity of the problem is really helpful. I mean, so far in our, the conversation, we focused a bit on, you know, weather. Um, effects of climate change, fire, flood, um, drought, that sort of thing. But then there are the threats to water, the access to water on this planet, and the access and threats to food security. And we're seeing that immediately happen now with the war in Ukraine and the um, backup of those grain shipments and how that's affecting um, clients in Africa and so on. And then there's money, access to money. You know, a whole country declared bankruptcy a couple of weeks ago, Sri Lanka. They can't, they can't get anything because they have no money as a country. They can't import fuel. They can't do other things. So the problems are ginormous. And that, of course, leads us to to tend to want to feel, you know, overwhelmed and frustrated and grief and all, and all these very normal things. And I, for myself, I keep wanting to remind myself as I can't solve this, I can't stop this. I can't um, possibly even change it. 
But can I have enough strength to help out where help is needed and lots of help is going to be needed? Last year, we had a pretty awful year in British Columbia where I live. We had um, a, 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 heat, a, a heat dome that saw temperatures that were unprecedented on the planet. Um, and we had fires, um, enormous amount of fire. And then in the fall, we had this very strange atmospheric river thing, which very quickly dumped 10 times the amount of record rainfalls, 10 times beyond sort of record rainfalls on, on land that had been burnt over so they couldn't hold the water. It, was, it really was a quite a stunningly awful year for British Columbia. And we're very smug, you know, because we, we think we have you know, a rather, rather temperate climate, you know, rather nice, you know, but boy, did it hit us hard last year. And since then, there's been, you know, of course, a lot of rebuilding and all of that and work. And I find that, okay, this is going to happen and I will help out wherever I can and try to be ready to help out in uh, whatever areas tend to show up. So you could say that's what I'm bracing myself for. And I and a few others in this call are into our eighth decades. So we, um, <laughs> let's say our expiration date is pretty evident. <laughs> and yet, even so, you know, and I, I won't be able to lift things or build things or something like that. If one can keep one's spirit up enough to want to keep helping, then I think, you know, right until our actual expiration date, we will be contributing something to this um, catastrophic situation the world finds itself in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. You've all made some really... Um, wonderful points and shared. Um, there's probably time for one more person. So I wanna respect that we need to end. Is there anyone else who would like to speak before we wrap up? Okay, Angela, did you wanna I share? Think, I think Tara just volunteered. Oh, so. I didn't see Tara. Did, yeah. A few yeah. times, I think. Tara. Go ahead. Yeah, Thank please. You. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, I guess what came up for me is, um, you know, how I appreciated that we started with the feeling of appreciation um, because I, I feel like when I approach the topic of climate change and climate crisis, I go very quickly to appreciation for what we have and, you know, we have just this morning, all of the waterfronts in Ottawa have been preserved for bike paths. And there's no development, virtually no development on any of the waterfronts. And it's just beautiful. It's so stunning. And I, it, that feeling of like deep appreciation then moves me very quickly into um, guilt <laughs> that I have this wonderful environment to appreciate and so many people do not. Um, I worked in the refugee sector uh, for some time and it, it immediately, my images go immediately to refugee camps and the sort of 
uh, hostile environment so many people live in and the rationale for so many climate refugees at this point. Um, and I just, you know, can just viscerally imagine what it would be like to try and care for a family in a tent in a 125 degrees and 45 degrees uh, Celsius. And, you know, just, just the injustice of that, the, you know, so then that brings me into some anger <laughs> um, and, and helplessness because what can I do? You know, and then I, I think about, okay, well, my, my daughters and I, we went to the tree giveaway. And so we have five little seedlings of trees in our backyard that we're growing. Um, what the hell is five trees in Canada going to do for anybody? <laughs> you know, and it's just this like ridiculousness of the whole thing that comes over me. Um, yeah, so so guilt and justice, and it's so also very stark in our neighborhood. So we just recently moved last year, but the neighborhood that that we moved from, which abuts the neighborhood that we live in now, um, there's no tree cover because it was a poorer neighborhood. So it's like, you know, a fifth, a tenth of the tree cover that our neighborhood has, and it's hot and it's cement and it's just boiling in that neighborhood and our neighborhood is beautiful trees everywhere old trees canopy cover it's cool so it just you know the injustice that's all over the place and the the anger the frustration um you know and I have three young kids that I'm going to just you know eventually be like well here's your world you know, have fun with this <laughs> you know what what can we really do it just it blows my mind. And then it, you know, it short circuits very, very quickly. Um, and then Netflix starts to become very appealing. So <laughs> there I've given you my, my whole cycle, um, that happens <laughs> regularly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, I think that a couple of us similarly described kind of how we go through, um, a sequence of different emotions. Um, it's complex. So, um, well, I want to thank you for um, all for participating and um, to let you know that if you want to actually come to a climate cafe, it would be like a, um, we're doing one in two weeks on July 30th at one o'clock Eastern time. And it, it'll be more spacious. There'll be, it's longer. It's a 90 minute time frame and the emphasis is really on sharing there's it's not on practice it's on um, people witnessing each other's emotions and people getting to to share with what's happening um, for them and so the three of us will be doing that and then also we're putting it out there we haven't really put it out there widely but we are available to um, help Shambhala centers to establish climate cafes if they would like to do that. Um, we'd help them, we'd help people to set something up and uh, begin to do some processes like this locally where people are at. Um, so our, our climate cafes will be quarterly, like halfway in between the equinoxes. You can be in touch with me if you'd like to come.
think that's that's it. Also, I could just say that for people that really are identifying that what they're feeling is grief and wanting to have a place more regularly than quarterly to explore gr the grief aspects of what's going on with our climate and um, our world. Uh, I do lead a group through Shambhala Touching the Earth Collective called Holding Grief with an Open Heart. And that's a monthly group. So you can be in touch with me if you would like about that as well. Um, and we we are leaning towards asking for more of a commitment from people to come more regularly to that. And please feel free to be in touch. We're going to dedicate the merit and bow. But did you want to make your comments, Tara, before we do that? Yes, thank you. And uh, I thought I'd also invite you um, as the Touching the Earth representatives um, to share a thought of the week with the group. Um, and the thought of the week, um, I know we talked about it and now I'm not sure what it is. Angela? Um, how do you bring grief for the environment to the path of warriorship? Um, how do you bring grief for the environment to the path of warriorship. But you could also do, how do you bring warriorship to your grief for the environment? Thank you, Angela. And also just a huge thank you to all three of you, Deborah, Sarah, Angela, for being here uh, this week. And yeah, hearts, yeah, and touching our hearts really with this topic. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, as you know, uh, Sunday gatherings are offered free of charge. So if you do feel inclined to support um, Sunday gatherings, I'll just put a link in the chat and you're, you'd be able to make an online donation there if you choose. Um, and I'd also like to um, let you know that next week's guest presenter is Craig Mullins. And he's presenting on how meditation helps me with Tourette syndrome and anxiety. And that will be an interview format. So I'd invite you a warm invitation to attend next week if that topic interests you. And thank you. Thank you for showing up today, for sharing, um, for being present for each other and at the Sunday gathering. And I hope that you'll join us again soon. And so for those of you who are not staying on for the discussion group, we can dedicate the merit um, and we can bow out. By this merit, may all attain omniscience, may it defeat the enemy wrongdoing from the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness and death, from the ocean of samsara, may I free all beings. By the confidence of the golden sun of the great east, may the lotus garden of the Rigdon's wisdom bloom. May the dark ignorance of sentient beings be dispelled. May all beings enjoy profound, brilliant glory. Thank you all so much. It was really good to meet all of you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe to the podcast. 
We hope you can join us again soon. You can find out more about upcoming live Shambhala Sunday gatherings and our podcast at shambhalaonline.org forward slash Sunday dash gatherings forward slash. 